When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For her part, Lyra was a little surprised to find that the scholar she sought was female. But the elite theometer hadn't said a man, and this was a strange world after all. The woman was sitting at an engine that displayed figures and shapes on a small glass screen, in front of which all the letters of the alphabet had been laid out on grimy little blocks on an ivory tray. The scholar tapped one and the screen became blank. Who are you? She said. Hello and welcome to His Darker Materials, the podcast where we run through the BBC HBO show, His Dark Materials, episode by episode. I'm here as always with Helen O'Hara. Hello. And today we are joined uh, via virtual room uh, (laughs) by the wonderful Simone Kirby. Hello, Simone. Hello. And Simone, you play uh, Dr. Mary Malone on the show, who we met in this episode. Yes. Uh, Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, And uh, as always, before we chat to Simone, um, spoiler warning for all of his dark materials that has aired to date. So that's everything in season one and season two, episode two. If you want to chat to us, uh, you can do so at Stripped Media on Instagram or at Stripped Media UK on Twitter. And uh, remember to use the hashtag his darker materials because that's us. Uh, so Simone, look, we um, we ask this question of everybody who comes on the show, and uh, hopefully it won't be a surprise. But uh, what is your de- oh your face? You look nervous now. What if if you had a demon? What what would it be? I knew. I mean, I knew that I was going to get asked this. So I was having a good think over the last year, um, and I think it would be a robin. Mm. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, they're quite nosy little things. Um, they seem friendly, but they're also quite protective of their patch. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just like them. Yeah, That's they're quite bossy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I had a, I, I sat on a bench recently and it was the highlight of my of lockdown 2.0. Um, and uh, a robin came and sat next to me for upwards of 40 minutes. I mean, I was on that bench for quite a while. And it, oh. was, one of, it was one of the, the absolute highlights of, uh, of my year. Oh, so I do really love nice. them. I, it's they, not a very good story. But. They're in our garden and we, we put up a tent during the summer. And uh, Robin came straight down, came into the tent, looking around. <laughs> you know, what's this? This 
this is new. Can we roll just like, <laughs> nobody move? <laughs> I love them. There's a kind That's of awesome. an innocent arrogance to, to Robins. It, there is, yeah. yeah. They're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm not scared. They're brave. They're brave yeah. because they're not scared. Yeah. They're just really nosy. So, um, so Simone, what's your relationship to the books? Had you read them, you know, Had. years ago? You, yeah. So you knew them pretty well when this came up. I read them really early in my relationship with my husband when we were dating. Um, we read them together. I think he may have already read the first one and then we and then and then I read the first one and then we read the the rest together. Um not together with one book. We had our own books. Um, <laughs> don't turn the page yet. Um, and we were massive 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 fans and whenever would when anybody would say what would your top 5 books be they were always in there. Oh, amazing. Um, so I was a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. So did you, I mean, did you hear about this and, and sort of go for it or how, how did it come I to you? I don't know how I missed it, but I didn't even hear they were making a first season. Oh, wow. I knew nothing about it. And then Callie Crawford, the casting director, um, well, one of the one of the two casting directors, she, uh, I'd worked with her in a Ken Loach film about, mm. um, God, six, seven years ago. And I got an email to ask, would I go on tape? for Mary Malone and he start materials and I I was I was really confused because I thought it was the fir- the first season and I was thinking I don't remember Mary Malone being in the first season what's going on <laughs> and then I found out that they'd already made a season and this was the second one and I don't know how I missed that and yeah wow amazing yeah oh, and uh, what what um how would you describe Mary Malone or what what do you what did you feel what did you, what sense did you get from her from the books and then what did you kind of bring to her on the screen um, I love with her she's so independent she's she's also I think one of the most honest character in the books what you see is what you get um, while you know everybody else there's a little bit of you know a darker hidden side and while she's a complex person and she has her own past and she has her own private things she's uh, she's not carrying around a lot of angst like the others are. So I think as as you follow her journey, I think the audience can relate to Mary quite easily because she feels, and I know with the writers, I think they felt like she was one of them and the writers of the series. Um, and I, I love that about her. And I, I, I also love that you're talking about a woman who's around, around 40, isn't talking about well much about relationships or you know it's she's she's just doing her own thing and she's mm. uh really involved in her work and I just really like her I think yeah. she's great and curious and engaged Very, and just yeah yes. just wants to know more about the world yeah. rather than you know not that there's yeah. anything wrong with being you know interested in husbands and babies and all the rest but like she's got other priorities as well totally yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a confidence to, to to Mary as well, isn't there? Like the self assurance as well. I find that you certainly brought that. Yeah, I think she's very. She's gone on such a journey in her life that she's become very accepting of herself and very comfortable in her skin. Um, and she's not trying to. She's not trying to prove herself as a person. She's so she's so wrapped up in trying to find out what dark matter is mm. that the other stuff has just sort of fallen away, and it makes her quite a simple, straightforward person. Awesome. Okay, well, we'll we'll get into the meat of the episode and we'll come back to Mary in a minute. But as always, we're going to go through uh, plot plot by plot. So why don't we kick things off with um, 
Well, where we left things last mm. week. So uh, Will and 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 the Spectre. Uh, although we don't seem to, he seems to have escaped that nope, one. That's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were sort of left with this kind of, not cliffhanger, kind of spectre hanger. He was literally hanging over his head. Yeah, yeah. And then that's that's gone, I guess. So I think we can... Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully the conclusion is Will's still a bit too young and everything's fine and everybody's okay. They were having a yeah. sniff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just t- testing whether they wanted the, to yeah. the main course or not. Yeah. No, um, he's not 16 yet. <laughs> now we uh, so so we get um we we get a, a little we don't get much city uh, uh, Gaza in, in this episode but the uh, we we do get some playful fun with uh, Lyra uh, preparing for sort of our world and going mm. through a sort of fancy dress eighty style montage which I uh, <laughs> which I which I enjoyed interesting that Will doesn't appear to be a pop culture fan because he doesn't put on an Edna Mode vo- voice when doing no capes um, <laughs> yeah. so he obviously hasn't seen The Incredibles but he's right yeah. you know that would probably draw attention in Lyra's case she, she <laughs> seems to think he's a bit of a stick in the mud and no fun at all when he's you know yeah I loved how Pan was encouraging her yeah. like oh yeah. that looks fantastic <laughs> <laughs> there's a and and we kind of um there's a you know this is Lyra's first uh experience of uh the alternate version of her oxford and mm. it was a uh, i i found it really enjoyable and endearing to to watch her enter this world you know from the uh well from the, the sort of just the getting almost knocked over by a car and then just like entering oxford and how familiar it all seems to her but different and mm. and the disappointment at sort of discovering that jordan college is not a thing in this no. world yeah, I did have worries about the geography of that scene, but I'm trying not to be a pedant about it. But that's uh, all right. The Oxford student <laughs> shows up. Just like she what should have gone they, left and she wrong? went right. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> then she's in the middle of the countryside. I think they were back in Cardiff, I'll be honest. Well, did you shoot your um, college scenes in Oxford or, or was that somewhere yes. else in Cardiff? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, and I had, been, I had been to college in Oxford for one summer when I was right. in my 20s. And ah. I just loved being back mm. there again hanging around outside the gates of Balliol, like, please, send me back. Um, so, so, Simone, so, I take it you were studying quantum physics at the exactly, time, Exactly, yeah? yes. Yeah. I was preparing for this role for all this my role. life. <laughs> <laughs> how, how comfortable are you with the dark, the, the, the sort of popular science of dark matter and quantum physics and all this stuff? Um, not enough when people get very wordy about it. Mm. Like, I, I love the idea of it. And I do remember reading the books, you know, all those years ago uh, and feeling like, wow, this is like, this is incredible. What Like, because I do, you know, believe in an energy outside of us and all these kind of things that are... But but when when people get very wordy with me on Twitter, I sort of go boo <laughs> because uh, obviously I'm not a scientist, you know. Uh, I, I'm playing one, <laughs> but but I perhaps, do perhaps too convincingly. <laughs> yeah, yes, if you're getting tweets about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do understand the concept of it, and I and I am absolutely on board with it. Um, mm. But yeah, the the language around it, not so up on. Is the dark matter is dark matter the the god particle that they're smashing together over in the hadron collider in CERN? Is that the same thing? I don't think it's the same thing. No. But I also am not a quantum physicist. <laughs> and, and that's why this is not a useful yeah. topic on this podcast. <laughs> we, we, should, we, should, we should get Busted. yeah, we should get our science expert back on to to, talk, to explain to us what the heck yeah. is happening. None of us um, are qualified to do this. <laughs> 
Um, I guess before um, before we get the meeting with between uh, you and you and Lyra, she meets um, Lord Boreal uh, mm. in the museum, which was a sort of a, a chilling moment. I thought doesn't recognize him, even though she'd met him before. Yeah, I mean, f- fail on her. A lot part, has happened think, yeah. to her. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, she's got yeah, a lot in her mind. <laughs> and she wasn't paying a lot of attention during that party anyway to any of the sort of you know high and hoity toity types who were there, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's a, it's an interesting, um, quite sinister scene actually because sh- he knows so much more about what's going on right then than she does. He recognizes her at once, even if she doesn't. He, I think, knows about the alethiometer um, somehow. I'm not sure if he glimpses it from when she's when she's using it before in the museum. Um, but it's yeah, it's really just loaded and quite unpleasant, I thought. In a good you know, in a good way, in an effective way. But Yeah, it's yeah. setting up tension, isn't it? Like yeah. it's that uh uh we, we we know he's a threat and she doesn't and it makes it more threatening. And then and mm. then she uses the alethiometer right in the museum to sort of figure yeah. out what next to do. I'd love if I had a device like this that just told me what I should be doing with my life. And and to give such very clear, explicit instructions. It was like go find a, a mm. door with a postcard on it. Uh like it's this is like sat nav isn't even that good. So in a big college she mind she managed to find the door pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> but in the books I remember uh they 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 called him uh, Philip I think if I'm right called him Charles Latram in the books and because we hadn't seen him we hadn't been following Boreal's mm. journey and he's mm. watching her I thought yeah. that he was a creep and I thought oh god she's in trouble here this guy's stalking her because he described him as like being just like really creepy and he's a real owl fella in the mm. book as well isn't he? he yeah he seems like a, yeah and he's like mopping his brow and all that kind of stuff. And then, mm. but because the TV show, we know exactly who Boreal is, and we've been following him so much that yeah. he's he's still a bit creepy. But we know what his intentions are, at least in the TV show. Mm. You're right; it's a different dynamic. And he's a sir in the book, isn't he, Sir, Char- sir, sir Charles? Charles sir Charles, Sir yeah. Charles, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, maybe he is here as well. He's clearly still rich in our world, and probably still important because he kind of seems like the kind of guy who wouldn't stomach not being important. Mm. You know, so. Maybe he's still a sir. Maybe he. Is, maybe that still still applies. I don't know. We'll, well see. I well, guess we, get, we do get some glimpses into his uh, in, in the next episode into his uh, his mm. wealth, and it does see. Oh yeah, God, it's, it's vast. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> spoiler, dude's loaded, guys. He's got the uh, benefit of going from world to world and figuring out what people in each world want and getting mm. it from the other world and bringing it to them. I think. Oh yeah, he's running sort of a, yeah he's running a exactly. sort of commodity he's trade. Smuggling like the Silk Road. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we meet uh, you, Dr. Mary Malone. Uh, Lyra, get, Lyra gets to the door. I, lo- I loved how she introduces herself. This is just classic, yeah. classic Lyra. And, mm. and what, what, what was interesting is Lyra, well, I think the alethiometer instructed her to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, and yeah. watching Lyra tell the truth is both a sort of baffling experience, but also She's just She's so much quite, better it's, at it's, lying. It's, <laughs> Exactly. It was just like, it's just madness. It was just this, like, if somebody arrived at your door, like spouting this level of, uh, of, of incoherent nonsense, uh, you'd probably kick them out. But uh, Dr. Malone did not. She's quite lucky she landed with someone like Mary, isn't she? Someone who's quite open to, oh, strange girl is crying in my office. Um, I think she's, yeah, like I say, she's... 
Yeah, she's <laughs> she's an empathetic person, so she's she's not going to immediately call social services, is she? And I think, as you've said, uh, Simone, you know, she's she's curious, and I think yeah. this is a very curious thing to happen. And uh, you know, she gets her, you know, the clincher is when Lyra sh- demonstrates the power of the alethiometer, yeah. right? And the uh, and and which also provides very interesting backstory and sort of fleshing out the character of of Mary, yeah. um, which is interesting. And the, what we learn is that she used to be a nun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like me. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a nun. No, <laughs> you got me. I was like, oh, didn't see, didn't see that on IMDb. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, um, it's it's probably something that she doesn't really talk about in Oxford because she wants to be taken seriously as a scientist. Doesn't necessarily mm. want everyone to know that once she was kind of on the other side of that coin and she was more curious about spirituality. And I think uh, when, to skip ahead, when, when, when her co-worker Oliver says um, something to her, he, he makes a little jab at her about, about faith or something. She says, have a little faith. And he says, let's see faith out of this. It's something along those lines that she knows when she's talking to scientists that she shouldn't ever really bring up her her, um, past as a nun. So I think Lyra knowing that is unusual. It's it's one of those things where there's a bit of a, it's, well, depending on your faith, it's it's maybe a false dichotomy, but there is this kind of tension between religion and science. And, Mm. you know, some people combine the two and have no problems and everything's fine. Other people are very suspicious of either one or the other. And and I think it's so interesting. I mean, because Mary in some ways kind of sums up the entire series in a way. She's she's on the sort of exact midpoint between religion and science in in the same way that I think sometimes Philip Pullman is. Yeah. I, I mean, when, when you're talking about dark matter, it is something that you can't see. Um, you, you, you're, you believe it's there and, and you're, you're on a mission to try and communicate with it. I mean, there is something spiritual about that, isn't there? It's not, it's not terribly far from believing in a god or in angels or any of these other things, you know. So I think Mary didn't come so far into science that she only believes now what she sees right in front of her. Yeah. She is still on the same kind of quest, really. Yeah, exactly. And that's her strength as a character is that she's able to she's able to bring the benefits that somebody of a religious background, such as faith and passion and commitment, can mm-hmm. apply mm-hmm. to a sort of a scientific endeavor. And that's why she's uniquely positioned to investigate dust as we say which kind of is a little bit of both yeah yeah if you're listening to this podcast you must recognize the value of asking questions at aramco our questions help us engineer a better future how can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow how can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop how can we deliver one of the fuels of the future how can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com slash powered by how. Also, of course, at the same time that Lyra's meeting Mary, we also have Will in Oxford. So I thought this was really good because he does go, he does see his mum. He doesn't obviously 
go up to her, but he just wants to check she's all right, which I thought was really you know important to have in there. Um, but we also have the meeting with his grandparents when he when he goes to the lawyer and finds out that he has grandparents in Oxford. And if I remember correctly, this is new from the book. He goes to the lawyer in the book, but I don't think he goes to his grandparents. So this is a new bit and it's a new wrinkle because essentially he gets betrayed again when he does. Um, poor Will. I mean, he, he's kind of getting dragged through the ringer here. But it's it's a really, again, a really interesting scene because he kind of, he's looking for a way out for him and his mum. He thinks if he has the money, then maybe that will be all he needs and, you know, that will kind of be job done and they can get away. And it's just not going to be that simple. I, I guess it's a closing off of avenues of escape for him. But but it, what it does lead to is a very interesting, we see, I think for the first time or, or uh, you know, mostly out of character for Will is this this uncharacteristic lashing out of this anger when he then meets Lyra afterwards, you know, uh, in the park because he's um, he's scared and hurt and um, and she's kind of gone against his better judgment. You know, they have very different approaches to things mm. and he massively um, lashes out at her, which doesn't feel very, very Will. It's certainly not the Will that we saw, the, how he was treating her in the last episode. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of anger, but I think it's generally better controlled, maybe. is You know, like we saw with his boxing, I think, in the very first scenes he was in, wasn't it? It was one of the yeah. one of the ways he was introduced. So, like, there's a lot of kind of fury there. But generally speaking, he, he knows how to keep himself managed because he's had to and he's had to look after himself. He's had to look after his mother for just, yeah. you know, years. It's a kind of a burden no kid should have to bear, but he's he's done it and, and he is usually in control of it. Um, but I think it's good to be reminded sometimes that there is that pain underneath i guess he's, um, he's and also it, used to parenting isn't it? like he's mm. he's and and with mm. with lyra she's she's being a little bit careless yeah um, good point. and he's used to taking care of somebody who's not making great decisions uh, mm. and i think it's i it, to me it was a little bit of a reflection on sometimes he might snap at his mum if she's doing yeah. something that's you know putting her in danger that's a nice point. I hadn't considered that sort of. There is a bit of a parent-child dynamic yeah. between Will and Lyra, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Lyra's definitely much more reckless, <laughs> like a yeah. lot, of, yeah. a lot more reckless. Well, she's been molly coddled um, her whole life in the, in the, you know, full of adults taking care of her, and she's been sort of trying to break out and rebel against it. And he's been the complete opposite. Nobody's been taking mm-hmm. care of him. Yeah. yeah, very sad. And so then the other big plot this episode, and I think this one is much kind of built up from the books and and sort of meant to maybe remind us what these kids are up against, is the Magisterium and to some extent their kind of campaign against the witches. Because we saw last episode, you know, Rudiscadi breaking in, killing the Cardinal, or at least wounding the Cardinal. Um, We now see the Cardinal dead. We see the power struggle to kind of replace him. and you know, and the decision as a result to be tough on witches, tough on the causes of witches, and basically bomb the witches' homeland. Yeah, I thought that, I thought all this stuff was fascinating, really interesting. Uh, watching this sort of power vacuum and the struggle in the in the magisterium, and I and, mm. and we're, this is in uh, I watched this the week of the election yeah. in the US as well, so it felt <laughs> okay. very yeah. felt, felt very uh, sort of timely. All yeah. this grandstanding and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um what what I thought was what I thought was there was a few interesting things that this sort of showed us an insight into the magisterium was um 
well, the, ultimately how it ends up with this decision to, you know, warfare as a display of power, but also mm. this, uh, this, this kind of how they treat Dr. Lancelius uh, yeah. and his message from the witches with just a straight into it, a mock, a show trial, basically. Mm. Um, it, it, it's, it's the sort of injustice uh, that makes you squirm as a viewer, right? I found. Yeah. yeah, very much so. I think, it, you know, he's been sent as a sort of ambassador between nations, as, as the witches see it, and I think as he sees it. So then to be put through that, to be denounced as, you know, being born out of wedlock and sort of, you know, having ca aspersions cast on his mother. I mean, they're literally basically telling your mum jokes at him. Like, you yeah. know, it couldn't be less respectful. And then to be hauled off uh, to prison as well. Like, it's it's pretty horrific behavior and and it's again it's an interesting insight into the the character of the two um leaders vying for this cardinal's position isn't it the sort of the sound and the fury kind of just both of them can unite and you know basically gang up on this guy um because they just don't see him as having enough power to be it, worthy of there was also more. lovely moments when when first of all when they were describing how witches are able to separate from their demons because obviously Mrs. Coulter can do that. We don't know mm. how. And mm. and then when they talk about giving your child away and there's this like slow zoom in on her discomfort, I thought that was fab. Yeah. yeah. I, I wondered if that was like a deliberate attack on her as an ally of his opponent a little bit, you know, if... if Oh, I've yeah. forgotten his name. This is really terrible. But if if your man knew that she was Father kind of Father McPhail, oh the other, not the other one, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, jo he, the Joe yeah. Biden of uh... the Joe. Yeah, no one remembers the, the loser's name. Yeah. The loser's name. Yeah. yeah. The oh, loser. sorry. Yeah. Oh, Trump. Then. Yeah. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you know, if he's if he was deliberately attacking her as an ally of Father McPhail, I don't know, but certainly it made her squirm and made her. Well, even even if he wasn't deliberately doing it because she was in the room, those mm. kind of men aren't even. They don't even care if a, someone is True. in the room. Like they, they, they'll say what they want to say regardless of of, of um, hurting somebody's feelings. So I don't, I don't know how deliberate it was for her because he seems to be so focused on Dr. Lancelis mm. that I, I don't know if he even cares that Mrs. Coulter was in the room Maybe or not. that it might be relevant to her. I don't think he probably thinks much about her. Mm, probably he, not. He was he was campaigning, really, wasn't he? Yeah. He was just, he <laughs> yeah. was just going through his campaign yeah. bullet yeah. points, uh, which it reminded me of. Also, another thing I watched recently was the trial of the Chicago Seven. This oh, whole yeah. idea yes. of like a, a political trial, yeah. uh, and just use you know this Dr. Lancelius here is just he's you know it, he's just a tool, yeah. really mm. to to uh, to to an end. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, mm. I, really, with very like little time, they 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 gave us a very interesting look at the dynamic of the magisterium mm. and these sort of uh, how it's very familiar really in many ways to this sort of corrupt um, hierarchical system, which is interesting because last week, uh, Helen, we were talking about how it's a bit of a flat structure mm. actually, right? There's a lot of different units. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, this reminds you it's not, it's not entirely flat, if you like, um, that <laughs> yeah. there are, that there are definitely massive power struggles in, in, in it. And I think it's interesting, you know, they're, they're obviously um, sort of modeling themselves on the Catholic church in terms of the election, the sort of the smoke, you know, mm -hmm. the braziers brought in and this kind mm -hmm. of thing. But at the same time, it's clearly um, 
also a political maneuver. It's also uh, something with real world military consequences um, when things like this happen. So it's not, it, you know, it's not a purely, it just reminds us it's a theocracy and not just a religion. It's a, an mm-hmm. actual system of power. Um, yeah. and, and that's what makes Father MacPhail's character quite interesting in this in this episode, or Cardinal MacPhail, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. You know, his relationship with his demon, his relationship with doing what he feels needs to be done or what he decides should be done, at least. So that masochism we see from him mm-hmm. and his demon kind of egging him on. It's yeah. again, it's one of these... They have some really disturbing demon scenes in this show. They had it in season one with Mrs. Coulter and her completely mute demon. And I feel like this is maybe the first big one we've seen this season. Yeah. Uh, we were. I was watching with my son and he said, why isn't, d- does this, this guy's demon not talk either? And I was thinking, I, maybe I haven't seen any of the um, magisterium demons mm. talking. So when she did talk, there was something lovely about it that like mm. that masochistic voice put your hand over the flame like it's it's yeah. uh, it's nice that the demon is even <laughs> is even more assured in the you know penitence and all than than mm. he is that- that's a really good point i hadn't noticed that none of the religious types demons i mean and that goes to lord boreal even as well who mm-hmm. i'm not sure if he's particularly religious or if he's just par mad but you know, again, you don't. I don't remember hearing his demon much or at all. Yeah. So wow. It, it, it kind of ties in a bit that whole idea of what we were talking about, Mrs. Coulter and the monkey last season was this mm. like repression of one's yes. self. You know, this complete like control over your your cell, your soul, and your base instincts and all this. And it, it's you're 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 gagging them really. Do you know? So uh, yeah, it is interesting to have the reverse mm. of that here where. Father McPhail's or Cardinal McPhail's demon is the one like his inner mm. self is telling him you need to punish yourself yeah. right because yeah. it's and that that's what makes him mm. and and Mrs. Coulter really interesting characters they're not just these you know 2D villains who are just like attack the witches you know it's it, it's a decision that he doesn't really take lightly and he feels needs some sort of you know personal retribution to be able to do that you know a, mm. an eye for an eye or you know he has to he has to punish himself for taking those lives the purity of the soul and all that mm. yeah yeah it's not not quite an eye for an eye though it's like a little bit of scorching yeah but yes but i, I do take the point yeah. but yeah <laughs> um, and lastly will we finish up on Mrs. Coulter, we haven't talked a lot about uh, about her in this episode, mm. but she does. Um, she, you know, her power play is kind of complete with the uh, now that she's got her her man at the top, and she's got sort of uh, power over MacPhail, mm. and she demonstrates. You know, she does her checkmate moment mm-hmm. here, where she's very much like, "Yeah, gotcha." Uh, now I'm going to go off and do my own thing, basically, yeah. right? Now that she knows where Lyra is, possibly mm. gone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously at the end of last season, she didn't go through the, the gap, whatever, with, with Azrael because she was like, our daughter is here, mm. therefore I'm staying here. Irony, she was wrong. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> um, and so now, you know, now she is sort of proceeding to some degree, at least after them. And and it is, it's fascinating just to watch her having manoeuvred everybody into exactly where she wants them to be 
like do a complete 180 essentially and and realize she needs to be somewhere completely different and go off on a contradictory mission the the woman is formidable she really if if anything it's like it's this weird like everything with mrs coulter it's this weird like display of love for lyra in a way isn't it like like you say this is everything she's ever built towards and then she just kind of just parks it to find her daughter and as twisted as as her kind of motivations and their relationship are this this is you know she puts she's putting lyra first and has been since it's 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 a weird thing i i still think that she's somewhere in between like um a love for her daughter and finding out that there's a prophecy about her daughter and that her daughter is actually really important Uh, it's i think you know i don't know if if there wasn't a prophecy about lyra and she was back in oxford in some college if mrs coulter would be quite as obsessed by her (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah she'd probably just check Possible. in every month you know like <laughs> send her a little her. birthday treat <laughs> yeah. because do you think do you think that, sorry go ahead no it's because it because mrs coulter herself a, a woman in that world who knows that she's smarter than most of the people around her uh, and has has had to like work for every little bit of power she could ever have to find out that her daughter is so important and so special must there must be something about that as well that gives her eggs or eggs her on to to go no this is definitely what i'm doing yeah that's a very good point i think that's true but i also think i wonder if the the goading about women who abandon their children was also part of her move to leave mm-hmm. if that was a little bit of the you know a little bit of her decision to okay you know i don't want to i don't i don't want to be that guy as it were so i'm going to go off and prove them wrong damn it i wonder if that's just a little bit of the impetus as well maybe not maybe Mm. (laughs) all right well well let's leave it there so that we're gonna pick up uh next week on the hunt for the hunt for lyra um and simone will be joining us again so we'll see you uh see you in a week for episode three His Darker Materials is a stripped media production. Our executive producers are Kobe Omanaka and Tom Wally. The episode was edited, mixed and sound designed by Tom Wally. This episode was produced by Helen O'Hara and Dave Corkery. All our music was composed by John Dix. Our artwork was created by Sam Gilby. And the excerpt read at the top of the show was taken from the book The Subtle Knife by Philip Pullman and published by Scholastic. This episode was recorded remotely in parallel worlds. Finally, big thank you to James Carroll and the team at North Bank Talent Management. You just heard a stripped media production. 